What's going on, folks? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pit Podcast, your daily podcast covering the Pittsburgh Panthers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today, folks, we have a lot to talk about. As always, I'm your host, Nick Fairby, right for Pittsburgh Sports Now, Cold Games at WPT's Radio, and I'm a production assistant at ACC Network. And folks, Pitt with a big win down in Tallahassee. They do defeat Florida State. We'll talk about the win, all angles for it, what this could mean for Pitt's season. Can they continue this going? And what it could potentially mean in the big scale for Jeff Cape. We'll also talk about a few Pitt alums making some noise in the NFL. Terrell Austin officially getting the good old promotion to defensive coordinator with the Pittsburgh Seals. We'll talk about that as well today here on this episode of Locked on Pitt. You are Locked On Pit, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, folks, to the Locked On Pit Podcast. As always, thank you for making the Locked On Pit Podcast your first listen every day, folks. Make sure to like, subscribe, leave a review if you're listening to this. All that good stuff, folks, always appreciate it. And then really, you know, need the support and, and need the feedback in order to make the show as good as I can for you guys. Of course, all about you guys. So need as much help as I can in doing that. And that starts with your guys' feedback. Now, hit today facing Florida State. I wasn't fortunate. I, I knew Florida State had been on skin. You know, I knew that. There was a lot that definitely could have gone off the deep end or for Florida State. Well, most of it went off the deep end for both teams instead. This is one of the ugliest games of basketball I can remember watching. Um, and that's saying something when you look at Pitt's season overall. I mean, they played a lot of dirty games. They played a lot of games in the mud, if you will. I know that's what Jeff Capel loves to say. Uh, dragging the teams into the mud, and boy, well, they certainly did that. And, and Pitt today, this was an absurd game in terms of cold, hot. And they had a little stretch there in the second half where things really got hot for them, and really that proved to be ultimately just the little bit of push they needed to get past Florida State. But let's be real here. I know Pitt won this game. <laughs> they did not play well today. Uh, I mean, maybe on the defensive end you can say sure, but Florida State was absolutely pitiful. Florida State was abysmal today. Uh, I mean, this was tough to watch. If you're a Florida State fan, I don't know what you what you can say about your team, man, because this was a rough one. And Florida State came into this game on a skid too. So this was like, this had to be their get-right game. Don't forget, this is a team that beat Duke earlier this year, right? So this is not just some team that hasn't showcased talent before. Like this team legit beat a team that people expect to be a pretty highly seeded team in the NCAA tournament. So what in the world's going on in Tallahassee? (laughs) A lot of questions there for me, but the stats just are pitiful for both teams. I mean, come on, man. 33% for Pitt from the field. 29% 29% for Florida State, 32% from three-point, 29%. And then, obviously, the shooting was just not there. 
Pitt, though, did win. Uh, they evened on the board. Pitt had two more offensive rebounds, which was good for Pitt. The offensive rebound problem against Virginia Tech did not carry over into this game, and I thought that was a big reason as to why they were at least able to stay in this one a, a lot. And, you know, the second-chance points came. Uh, nine second-chance points obviously does help a lot. Should have had more with the free throws, but it's okay. Um, and we'll certainly talk about that. Turnovers, 11 to 13. Pitt actually had two less turnovers. And if you watched the game, you'd be surprised at that. You know, they had a flagrant. They had a technical. There was a lot of different things going on here. Pitt did not play well in this game. But, listen, they played well enough. Mogi, though, had eight blocks. Like, wow. I mean, this dude was unbelievable tonight. And I, I continue just to look at what this guy does night in and night out. I watch the guy play basketball. I don't know how this dude ended up at Stony Brook. And obviously, I, the story behind it is he grew, came in very undersized, and that's why he plays like a guard, too, for what it's worth. If you ever wondered why Mogi plays like Kevin Durant, and, and essentially an oversized guard, he was until essentially his sophomore year of college. And, and he just kept growing. He, he used to be 5'11", and he shot up all the way to 6'10". So very interesting story. And he's very new to the game of basketball. And so he's so raw, but and – and the shooting wasn't there for him tonight. But my God, even when he's not shooting the rock well, this is a guy that is dominant defensively. I mean, eight blocks – Come on. <laughs> if you have eight blocks in one game, I don't care what you do on the offensive end. You're making some type of zinging effect on the opposite end. This dude's been one heck of a find. He's going to play overseas if he doesn't play in the G League. He's going to get an opportunity, I think, to play in the G League because he just has innate skills. And you just see the flashes from him, some of the explosiveness and some of the creative ability. I mean, there was that one play where he crossed the guy over after dribbling it, nearly posterized him, got to the line. I mean, it was almost a sports center top 10 play. He's had a few plays where he's really thrown it down. And today was another one where he had a big put time put put back jam. Um, this is a guy that's just played well. But this team overall today, it wasn't like it was a great team performance. It really wasn't. And John, we'll talk about John Hughley and, and his night. It was not a good night for Hughley yet again. But, man, the team was sloppy. They didn't really have any cohesive offense yet again. I couldn't point to, like, ball movement as something that was a real positive night. They didn't really have any. The offensive sets were still very bad. And this team was very bad offensively today. I mean, they were terrible. So when you look at everything – encapsulated in the offensive end. This was pretty much par for the course for Pitt. Now, they had a few really key segments, I thought, to the game that really stuck out well. One of those being Will Jeffers coming in uh, for 10 minutes, giving them six really quality rebounds that they needed from him. You know, Jeffers doesn't need to do everything. If he can give them relief like he did tonight and get a few gritty rebounds when they really needed it badly – it can help. And he gave him a few big time second chance opportunities, one of them leading to an Ithio Horton three. So tons of really good stuff from Will Jefferson tonight in those 10 minutes, especially on the boards. And so I really like that. Um, I, I also will say this. 
that this team continues to fight their asses off. And I appreciate that. I don't care to what level Jeff Capel's team gets. This team continues to fight. This team continues to scratch and claw. This team continues to just not go down. This game was ugly. And Florida State's a team that is certainly not devoid of talent. They're not a team that when you look at them, they are talentless hacks. Again, they have beaten a team like Duke this year. So this is a team that has has talent and proven to have talent. But Pitt dragged into the mud, and it was without John Hughley having a great game. Mogi wasn't going offensively. Jamaris Burton wasn't going for a lot of the game. Femio Ducali really didn't feel well. You know, 0 of 8 from the field, 3 of 7 from the line for him. There wasn't a lot of doing, but I thought, you know, they got a little bit of ball screen going. They got a little bit of ball movement on the perimeter, and Ithiel Horton was absolutely white hot tonight. And so it was just kind of those combining things. They didn't play well tonight, but they did enough defensively in the paint, especially Mogi did enough defensively to really drag him to the mud, and it was enough to where Pitt was able to offset what Florida State was doing. And Florida State missed their opportunities a few times. They had a few really open shots they should have hit. I thought pitch transition defense was definitely lacking a lot as well. But I will say this. I think Pitt played, for the most part, outside of John Hughley, I thought they played a decently disciplined game on the offensive end. And and especially after they had a few really bad turnovers in the first half, I thought they came out in the second half and played a lot more disciplined. Meanwhile, I thought Florida State played a lot more out of control. A lot of their shot selection was off. I thought Pitt had some more open shots that they just didn't hit. And so I thought that was a good sign. It ended up, of course, with Pitt winning. But there were a few other troubling things. There were also a few really sparkling instances that we will talk about when we come back. We'll also talk about the outlook for the team coming out of this. However, first, folks, let me let you know about Bet Online because Bet Online has you covered with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Football continues to march to the Super Bowl right to it this Sunday. So betonline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, folks, welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast. And as we continue to talk here about this pit win over Florida State, 56 to 51 down Tallahassee, their first road win in nearly in over a year, which is just incredible to me. Um, it, it really is. Like, I, I can't believe that they've struggled that much on the road in the ACC, but they have. It really has not been a good year for them on the road. But here's the, the thing that you know, there, there was one troubling stat to me that stuck out, and it was the free throw shooting. Their worst free throw shooting day of the year, 12 of 24 from the line. Because Pitt, as I said, they played a, a more disciplined game for the most part in this one. This game could have been as close as it was because they just kept missing from the foul line. I mean, the charity strike was an absolute haymaker to them tonight. They didn't have any answer of what to do. They didn't really know what they were trying to do. And so this was really troubling. 
I mean, Femi Odukali went three of seven. It felt like a regression for him. Hughley, one of six. Gee, two of four. Burton, two of three. Jeffers, two of two. Horton, two of two. It really, it was a terrible throw shooting performance by this Panthers team. Not to be outdone, Florida State also only shot 67% from this stripe, which is considerably better. But, you know, these teams were just terrible from pretty much all different sides. And, and Pitt really was that bad from the charity stripe. They got to the line a few times. They were penetrating through the Florida State zone. They were able to get to the, to the hoop. And yes, they didn't finish all those, but they they got to the line a lot. And that was, that's always been Pitt's MO, right, is, okay, maybe we can't score a lot in just our half-court offense, our standard half-court offense is sinking shots. But we have the physicality and the size to force you to foul us. And that's been the big thing with Pitt. But now, when you look at it, if they can't make the shots, it's a net negative. Today, it was a net negative for Pitt. Um, and going 50% from the from the free throw line, it's just unacceptable. I don't know. You know, Jeff Capel's taken a step back to free throw shooting in practice, essentially, to where those guys have to work on themselves. It'll naturally come. You know, you don't spend quality time in practice actually doing free throw shooting, which makes sense because that should be something that guys can self-discipline themselves on. Like when you think about free throw shooting, you know, you know it's important, of course. It's, of course, important. But you have to, to set game plans, offensive game plans, defensive game plans, like, you know, the scheme and, and everything you're doing. And you probably want to focus more on ball movement and stuff like that because, yeah, free throws are very important, but they're also only a small part of the game. Half-court offense, transition defense, like all this different types of stuff is going to be played a lot more than the free throw line will. So, We'll see. Maybe this is a one-off. I mean, this is really the only game in which they've shot like that from the free throw line. They, you know, they've had games where they've been off in the six percentage uh, areas, but they've been pretty much a good free throw shooting team in conference play so far. This, so this kind of came out of left field. Um, it's a concern moving forward, but again, I'm not going to call it a problem until we actually see it go. Not just for this game. I, I need to see it happen through multiple games, and that's always what I say. Is is you know. One game and it's not an issue. It's it's it might be something that you worry about and you say, hey guys, we gotta fix this in practice and, and you you guys have to work on that. And you know, it's three this is their third game in five days. So you can you can sympathize with that as well. You know, they're probably playing on tired legs to a degree. Um so so there's a lot to come here, but also you have to realize, oh crap, we play Saturday. Like we are playing Saturday against NC State, too. So it doesn't get much easier. You're going to be playing on tired legs for a little bit. And I think that's what Jeff Cable's squad is going to have to kind of work with and work through. That's going to be something that when they play NC State, it's going to loom large. That seems like a program in disarray right now, but you never know, right? And so the sparkling moments of today, there were two guys inside of Mogi who we already hit on. And I thought that Ithiel Horton played lights out. I don't know if he's ever looked better in a, in a Panther uniform than today. This is a guy that just shot his shot. I mean, he was taking it whenever he felt like he could do it. And, and I appreciate guys that when they're getting hot and when they know that's their shot, they don't pass it up because that's been Ithio Horton's issue at times, right? He's a guy that can get going, but also when man, he, his 
kind of energy is off and, and he's not feeling himself, he'll pass up open threes. And you're like, you're the three-point shooter on the team. You are the sharpshooter. We are relying on you to make shots like that. You have to make shots like that. And tonight, he just let it rip. And I really appreciate that. That's his home run ball. You know, that's that's his sweet spot. When you look at Ithiel Horton and, and what makes Ithiel Horton Ithiel Horton, that is what makes him Ithiel Horton. So I appreciated that, and he was phenomenal today. 7 of 13 from beyond the arc. They really needed him today. He essentially, through a dead period where everyone else was down, the one guy that wasn't was Ithiel Horton. He dragged the team through the mud offensively. And for a while there, I think at one point, he had 20 of their 34 points, um, I think, in the second half. So he was a guy that literally had put them on their back, on his back. So that you always appreciate that from Matthew Horton, a much better defensive effort from him as well tonight. I thought he played a really good all around game. Obviously, three pointers is absurd, and, and you're going to love that every time he does that. Man, the shot was there for him tonight, and he felt it. And, and I love that. When you're feeling that shot, man, go for it, right? Just go for it. And he was feeling it tonight. And, and so Ithiel Horton, with pro- his best game of the season, probably if not his best, one of the best games he's ever had in a pit uniform, really key. They don't win this game without him. He's not here tonight. They lose this ugly one. But Ithiel Horton absolutely dragging them through that mud with a few key three-pointers, not being gun shy. He realized everyone else was struggling, realized he had had to step up and he did and that was huge because mogey wasn't on today burton got going late but horton had to drag him until burton got going and that's the other positive of today how about maurice burton this guy i mean late in the second half jamarius burton just came alive nine of his 11 points came within the final five minutes of the game that's clutch had two really key free throws, had a key jumper, had a key floater, had a huge three-pointer. He literally was the reason they won this game down the stretch. They had no answer for him. Ithiel Horton was the if Ithiel Horton was the guy at the beginning of this of the second half. And then as they started to ride the wave out, things started to get a little more dicier and Florida State tied it up. Who stepped up? It was Jamarius Burton. This guy's just shown such a, a pedigree to step up in big situations. The St. John's buzzer beater, of course, had a few really key field goals against Syracuse, against Louisville. This is a guy that just steps up in the big moments. And today, I mean, down the stretch, he was the reason. Jamarius Burton, I'll take this guy on my team any day. Such a leader, ice cold in the clutch. Just a guy that, that really understands how to step up when everyone else needs him to. Not a, not a quality that everyone has, right? It's a rare one. It often is one where you look at a guy like him and say, you, get, you just don't find cerebral guys like that. You just don't find, you know, the cold-blooded killers in, in clutch time. And they ha- it does have one in Jamarius Burton. He's a guy that steps up real big. Uh, also, though, John Hughley, I mean, you've got to be concerned with Hughley at this point, right? He's in his head. I mean, a lot of the struggles, kind of like how with Will Jeffers, I felt like a lot of his struggles were mental throughout most of the year. I, I feel like that with John Hughley now. He's hit a block. He's hit the sophomore block. He doesn't seem to be able to work around the double teams anymore. He seems worn down. He gets real, 
you know, I, I know you can debate those calls, but slapping the backboard, the flagrant, I mean, those were two undisciplined plays. You can't have those. You just got to play basketball. And he's out here, you know, showboating and everything. And, and I love emotion in the game, but that's undisciplined stuff. He's also turning the ball over at a high rate. He's not the dominant presence he was before. He did give them really good effort, though, on the boards today and in good effort defensively. So always appreciate that. That was definitely a step up. But, man, there's some – that sequence where he got those two fouls, the Tech and the flagrant one, I mean, you can't do that. And it allowed Florida State to creep back in the game. And so he's a guy that just has to figure things out. He's got to calm down and play his game. He was bad from the free throw line today. Had two really bad fouls. So this is a guy that, that has to get his headspace right. This is a guy that has to calm down, understand what he's doing, and really just let things go. He just needs to play basketball. Let his inhibitions go <laughs> because he's thinking too much right now. He's, he's feeling too much, and he just needs to let things come to him. And I think that's what the biggest thing is. Get out of his own head. He's his own worst enemy right now. And, and that's a big reason why he's only scored 4-4-7 four, four, and seven in the last three games despite impressive showings prior to that. So we'll see what he can do on NC, against NC State. I think it's a favorable matchup for him. You know, he should be able to have good games, but we'll see if he can get out of his own head. All right, folks, we'll take a quick break here on Locked on Pit. When we'll be back, we'll talk about Terrell Austin, former Pitt defensive back, gets the Steelers' defensive coordinator job. We'll talk about that coming up on Locked on Pit. All right, folks, welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast, your daily podcast covering the Pittsburgh Panthers. As we continue, you know, we talked about Pitt overall and, and their men's basketball team getting the win. And you really like that, of course. And, hey, it might not change much for the season overall. You know, there's still only four wins in the conference. There's there's the ability to win more out there, um, but probably six at most, I would say. And, and so it's not going to change much of the, the outlook on the season. Maybe. We'll see how they continue to play down the stretch towards Jeff Capel's job. This could be something that implicates that a little bit more than just say anything. So there are implications to wins like this, but I, I will say I don't think it matters too much for the season overall, but you don't hate winning. I don't care at all. You don't hate getting wins. And, and Jeff Capel with three wins over Leonard Hamilton in his pit tenure is certainly something that I do not see coming. But nonetheless, it is a thing that has happened here Well. He has been at Pitt. Florida State and Pitt have been battling it out, and Jeff Capel's actually had his number to a degree here. But Terrell Austin, former Pitt defensive back, gets the Steelers defensive coordinator job. Steelers obviously have those Pitt connections, and they just interviewed Morocco Brown for their GM position, the brother of Pitt associate head coach Milan Brown on the men's basketball team, if you did not know. Um, so, Which is just cool to me. You know, A lot of the Pitt connections are, are there. Um, if the offense coordinator position opened, would they talk to Luke Getze? Probably, you know. Obviously, Canada has those connections as well. Lewis Riddick had the connections when we talked about Lewis Riddick um, yesterday. But Pitt is, when at least when you look at what they've produced on like a football scale, it's pretty impressive from coaching to GMs to analysts, to players, to like all of this. 
Like they've actually produced a good bit. If you look around the NFL, you look around all these different places, you'll find a lot of pit alums because it's it's really actually quite a fruitful tree. <laughs> and Terry Lawson's one of those fruits. And so a, a guy that has been the defensive coordinator for Florida, the Bengals, the Lions for four seasons under Jim Caldwell, got fired midseason um, with the Bengals. It wasn't a good thing there, but Marvin Lewis was kind of a lame duck head coach trying to get something going in his last year. Obviously, that ended up failing for all parties involved, so it never worked out. But Terrell Austin has deserved this, right? This is a guy that has come in. He's one of the better secondary coaches of this generation. He was great with the Ravens back during their Super Bowl run. He really tried. If you look back through the lineage of Baltimore Ravens DBs. It was very strong through the mid-2000s. And then as you got to the late 2000s, early 2010s, it kind of started to dip off. You know, it was still good, but it wasn't necessarily elite. And then once Terrell Austin came on, it went right back up. He kind of revived that defensive back identity in Baltimore, that Ravens identity. And so now he came to Pittsburgh, and you have guys like Minka Fitzpatrick, Terrell Edmonds playing better. Joe Hayden reviving his career. Mike Hilton playing at a better level than he ever played. Steven Nelson playing at a better level than he ever played. Akilah Witherspoon playing at a better level than he ever played. Like, you have all these guys that continue to just play well. Trey Norwood, as a sixth, as a seventh-round rookie, comes in and actually plays really well for them. It's all under the tutelage of this man, Terrell Austin. The Steelers have been top ten in yards against pass per pass play under his tutelage as well. This is a guy that has kind of transformed that secondary into a pretty formidable one. If you think of back to the Steelers secondaries in the mid-2010s, it was terrible. It, but but Terrell Austin, a guy that, that understands it, was a defensive back at Pitt, he's got to transform that secondary. So, of course, he deserves the job. He's a guy that, if you look around, like there's no one else internally that deserves it more than him and so this is a guy that was fantastic in terms of of his ability to develop players and turn around that secondary he deserves it there shouldn't be a lot of complaining i know that people want to complain about the internal hiring but for Pitt and overall this is pretty cool to see the Steelers hiring a Pitt guy it's pretty cool to see all the Pitt connections throughout the Steelers program especially because they're just the hall Cross from each other, so you know there's familiarity between all these kind of guys. So it's a pipeline, not just for players, but for coaches now. And you're seeing that. The pit connections to the Steelers, it's legit. And it's not like they scoff them off. And Terrell Lawson is the latest example of that, a certainly deserving candidate to receive the Steelers DC job. And I think he'll do a good job. You know, they, they interviewed a few really good candidates too Patrick Graham, Chris Richard, Joe Witt. Um, so, so these that. We're really good candidates, too. Patrick Graham, in particular, is a great candidate. Um, but Terrell Austin's also a guy that has been a defensive coordinator, has a ton of experience, revived the Steelers' secondary, essentially. I know they had a bit of a down year this year, but even with the talent there, I thought they did well uh, overall to help out as much as they could. Terrell Austin has been a guy in the past that has had success with turnovers. He, that's kind of his calling card, forcing turnovers. So this is a good hire for the Steelers, and I think Terrell Austin, former Pitt man, uh, Terrell Austin will be able to do a good job there in pittsburgh all right folks thanks for listening to the locked on pit podcast we'll see what we can talk about tomorrow but we're definitely going to talk about taekwon underwood and his philosophy he talked at the pressers today we'll talk about that tomorrow 
if any other news comes up, we'll obviously talk about that. But all of it's coming up tomorrow on Locked on Pit. Folks, thanks for listening. And as always, hail to Pit.